November. I've been down since July. Motion capture put me in a bad light. I replay my footsteps on each stepping stone, trying to find the one where I went wrong. Writing letters, addressed to the fire, and I was catching my breath. Staring out an open window, catching my death, and I couldn't be sure. I had a feeling so peculiar that this pain would be for evermore.
And here we are. Hello. Welcome to Welcome. Save It For Now. This is WYVC X Yale Radio. I'm DJ to the fourth. I'm DJ P Day coming at you live from Ohio. And I'm You're uh, in New York right now. I'm in New York City. The great apple. The big apple. The Big Apple it has many names. Well, what was that song that that uh, you just heard? I did not hear it for technical reasons. Uh... <laughs> yeah, this so far this broadcast is going much more successfully than our last remote broadcast. But um, that's a low bar, I have yeah. to say. But, but that was Evermore featuring Bon Iver from Taylor Swift's brand new album Evermore, which just came out today. Uh, this is brand new music. A lot of new art uh, coming out today that we'll cover. Um, yeah, we also gave... a new album today. Um, just while we're on the new album thing, my all right. So I was just in an exam, and my friend Zach called me. I, I I swear to God, he called me four times within like two hours, and I was like, somebody has died. Like something seriously bad has happened. And I was like, Zach, I'm in an exam. What's going on? And he's like, Kid Cudi just released a new album. Kid Cudi? <laughs> he's like, Man on the Moon 3 just came out. Like, bro, he didn't call me that much when, like, actually, when he got COVID. Like, like, he, like, this dude called me. I don't know. He literally called me four times within two hours when I was in the middle of an exam to tell me about a Kid Cudi album. It better be good is all I'm going to say. It must be. Yeah, we, we gave a whole listen through to Evermore this morning. Um, so while we were making omelets. Yeah. Um, oh, and just for continuity, you're at, at Eli's house, who was on the show last week, right? Exactly. Yeah. Eli's place in New York City. Um, Eli and I made some omelets. And... I don't know. I think our general impressions from Evermore were that it's similar stylistically to Folklore, Taylor Swift's last album. But I mean, apparently also Eli was in the top 1% of listeners to Taylor Swift on Spotify this past year, which is just shocking. Like, yeah, somebody that high profile being in the top. I'm a little bit concerned about Eli. How many hours is that, is my question. How many days of, of T-Swift? Many, many days. A lot. <laughs> many. Yeah, but, but the new album was a little heavy on the ballads, which I appreciate. You know, the, the, the slow song vibes were there and delightful. And, the, I mean, this song featuring Bon Iver, Eli and I went to a Bon Iver concert uh, October 2019 in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. And so... It's always nice to hear his voice and, and share that together. Um, what do you know about this new yeah. Kid Cudi album? Literally nothing except that Zach called me four times in my exam. Uh, and it came out today. I can't give a review, and it came out today. Yep. Uh, so Man on the Moon 3, if you like Kid Cudi, um, and you have the same music taste as Zach, you'll probably like it. And that is all I can say about the new Kid Cudi album. Sounds like an excellent use of time to listen to this. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not a Kid Cudi aficionado. I've not listened to Man on the Moon 1 or Man on the Moon 2. So uh, I, I have no thoughts about it. 
to be honest. Well, I guess we'll have to do some, yeah, some of that background listening before we can get into Man on the Moon 3. Yeah. Um, but also... Oh my god, game. my mom said no sound. No sound? I think it was working, at least before. Um, Hold on, keep talking. I'm going to turn on the stream and I'll let you know when it comes on. Because it will feedback if... Uh, my mics. Quick reset at the bottom. I'm just gonna hit hit record and then like to turn off the recording and then turn it back on. Is that what you mean by reset? I mean on the page. The street cream page page. Oh, okay. oh quick reset. There's okay. a reset button. Let's try it. Okay, here we go. And we're back. Hopefully, I think on my end it appears. That yeah, I think we're back. Hello. All right. Hello. Well, we may as well just say all of that stuff again. Uh, summarize uh, two new albums out today: Taylor Swift and uh, Kid Cudi. Uh, the Kid Cudi album, we have no idea how good it is, except that Zach called me four times during my exam to tell me to listen to it. And um, the Taylor Swift album, uh, Jonathan, give, give re re repeat your review quickly. It's uh, <laughs> lots of slow songs, very emo, good vibes, classic Taylor Swift. Um, I think the next piece of art I want to talk about today is uh, a new Netflix documentary that just is coming out today as well called Giving Voice. Um, I heard about this from my high school newsletter. So for background context, in the ninth grade, I took world geography. It was one of the classes we were required to take. And uh, there were three people at my table, including me. It was, it was me, my best friend, Ruben, and there's one other girl named Callie Holly. And she was in theater. You know, Ruben and I were instrumentalists, so we were kind of nerdy like the band nerds and Callie's in theater, very enthusiastic, bubbly, very fun and easy to talk to, right? Um, I remember having to like draw maps of the states and stuff, and, you know, that sort of thing. But so that's kind of my experience with Callie. This new documentary, Giving Voice, I'm looking at the cast list and it says starring Viola Davis Denzel Washington and Callie Holly. That's insane. And, what? And you know, I know she's talented, and but it just blows my mind. That's so cool that she's doing that. Um, you didn't know that, she was talented apart from drawing maps in geography <laughs> class. No, I I knew she was very talented in theater, but this is just kind of next level of like, how does somebody? Oh my god! Apparently, the stream broke again. Oh. Just try resetting it again. Okay. It looks like it's up here. But... All right. Well, we, we have confirmation from Phoebe that it is still working. Oh, never mind. I think my mom just was erroneously uh, <laughs> declared that it was this broken. Was so fun. Okay. Well, next time we won't believe you. So. Um... Wait, what's this girl? <laughs> Wait, can you explain what this documentary is about? So. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but based on the trailer, it sort of follows the journeys of several high school age 
actors who are auditioning for some sort of like award there's a competition to get the award and i can't tell if it's a true story or not um because i think it is about high school students but she is in college now peter you're muted (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) the technical problems we're back and we're back. I was just going to say, uh, maybe they made it while she was in high school, but now they've only just put it out. Oh, that's I don't know. Yeah. I obviously yeah. know nothing about movies. Uh, it's just wild. But it's pretty me. sweet. Yeah, that she she's just like, you know, the person next to me in geography class, and now she's starring in this Netflix documentary. Um, you should definitely hit her up. <laughs> Make those hey, connects. Hey. Yeah, I just... Do you th- and you know, I went to performing arts high school. We have some famous alums. I guess it's, you know, to be expected that some of them will do very well. But I guess we're hitting that age where now is when they might start to do very well. Yeah. That feels weird. Yeah. I didn't think it would come this quickly. Yeah, man. You know when it, that really hit me is when um billy eilish like blew up and i was like oh this this is cool like i like this and then i looked her up and it was like she's younger than me like that definitely made me feel some type of way because it's like wow this person already like has a fully fledged career in music and she's like 18 like that's insane that is bonkers one of my glee club friends said she's sang in youth choir with billy eilish (laughs) for real that's again just a whole nother level of like oh yeah. she's just down the road. That's kind of a flex actually. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, definitely the more times goes past, the younger everybody else gets and you just stay the same age, right? Right. And I mean I, I was just looking at the time people of the year. <laughs> There's for the first time this year, the time kid of the year. And it's a uh, little girl, she's like 15, so I guess, you know, not just like a literal child, but mostly a child. And her thing is, uh, she is an inventor and also trains other kids in being inventors. So she said she's trained like 30,000 kids um, and just like through teaching workshops and stuff. And she, she has this whole list of things she's done that sound very technically complicated with like chemistry and and physics and coding and how old is she she's 15 and she's like bro what huge problems how does she have time for that maybe she just does that instead of school but don't you need school to do that right that's (laughs) the part that confuses me wow i feel like time kid of the year like, I have mixed feelings about that. This is the first I'm hearing about it because part of me is like, oh, that's cool. Like, kids do cool stuff. But part of me is just like, yo, if they deserve to be on there, they can just be person of the year. You know what I mean? Oh, you think it's it's kind of like, oh, look at this cute child. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit like, what do you call that? that Patronized thing? I think so. I feel like, all right, maybe it isn't, but I feel like it has the potential to be. Like, oh, look at what this kid is doing. It's not good enough to be, to qualify for something actually important. But isn't that nice? You know, it's like the type of stuff they put it, 
at the, if you ever watch like the six o'clock news at the evening, it's like the feel good story they put at the end. Right. That's what it makes me think of. Yeah. I thought you were going to take that in a different direction. I was thinking now being the time kid of the year is going to be like the thing you have to have in order to get into college. Right. Don't even just going to be don't, bro. Don't even take it to that point. That is so depressing. I'm afraid for that day. I hope it's not here already. You know? I like mean, there's only are... one of them, right? No, like, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it... I yeah, I see what you're saying. Even if we're not time kid of the year. I think we're too old to be time kid of the year. I think that we would have to be time person of the year at this point, Jonathan. We're competing with Joe and Kamala. They were, the we're competing with each person. other. Oh, also us. Yeah. Yo, they were the combined person of the year. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a person of the year, and then there were two of them on the same. Couple. All right, that is really weird. I feel like for that to happen, they'd have to like genetically fuse them into one person. Like that SpongeBob episode where Squidward and SpongeBob get fused together. One Squidward has to give his clarinet recital. <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 that that reminds me of a reoccurring like fantasy slash nightmare that I have, where I'm watching, um, like a performance. It's like I, I'm at a recital or something, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I'm the one, like at sitting down, like playing the clarinet or whatever. Like we got like sw- you know like like wha- frack- wacky fr- Tuesday. What is that movie called? Freaky Friday <laughs> style like switch. <laughs> Like, I have that fantasy slash nightmare frequently, like frequently, where I'm the one giving the recital, and suddenly they've been teleported into the audience. Um, and then you, like, mess up and wake up in a cold sweat. Like, yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, or I just, like, have to stop thinking, because I just, into the daytime, I'll just, like, have to stop thinking about it because it freaks me out too much. Um, so, essentially, that's what happened Joe Biden, Kamala Harris got combined into one Squidward person. <laughs> um, well, quick tangent that's actually very relevant. And speaking of clarinet recitals, there is another new music event that's happening tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time via YouTube Live. Um, for our listeners, I've shared a Facebook event. But the Yale Undergraduate Chamber Orchestra is having our concert for the semester where we put out a call to student composers um, who are part of the Yale, I guess, virtual campus now to write new uh, either solo or small group pieces. So um, our loyal listener, Phoebe Liu, and I did a virtual duet with a piece by Michael Gantz um, among several other pieces and and those will be premiered tonight on youtube so check it out um, look out for that yeah it was some of, of the most talented musicians of all time in fact you might even call them time musician of the year if you combined phoebe and jonathan into one they could i think they would be time musician of the year <laughs> and then we could actually play violin and clarinet at the same time yes yeah 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 right at that point right depending on the nature of the combination right and would we have the same brain too i don't i don't think so because so like there's conjoined so would you be essentially conjoined 
twins or would you be like would it be like you each it's like you had a child and so it's just a normal person but it has both of you in it because that would really determine a lot about i think how many instruments you could play at the same time right i think it would have to be what i think is the latter of what you just said because in the spongebob episode it comes up that the sandy somebody makes a machine i think it's sandy who it's like a laser and then you shoot the the conjoined people with the laser and it separates them back into their spare parts so at this point i guess you could say they're a salad they're they're just a mixture rather than a solution of people okay i see um well on that note why don't we (laughs) go into some music I think we've already decided that the scientist of the year is Sandy and the person of the year is Jonathan and Phoebe combined. Oh, well, no, we're the musician of the year, right? Which I would, oh, yeah. That title I would gladly take. Alongside <laughs> One of our listeners said, says, remember the seven miles spanking machine on SpongeBob. Get into that. Seven I have not miles? watched. I, I don't know what this means. I've, I have not watched enough Spongebob to know anything, to know enough to even, like, interpret the beginning of that. But it does sound really spicy. I think what it probably is, is they lined up all of the residents of Bikini Bottom in one line. And that is the spanking machine. Ah, so it's more of, like, a spanking assembly. All right, I googled spanking machine. That's not it. Bad idea. I should not have done that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Apparently, that is the correct interpretation. Yeah, don't Google spanking machine. But <laughs> aside from that, SpongeBob <laughs> has some pretty great ideas. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying. Yeah. SpongeBob <laughs> can be the retro TV show of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, let's get into some music. And I, I want to talk about, once we come back, uh, a little bit about some of the stuff we're working on right now that we have coming down the pipes to play on the show. A lot of very special interviews. Absolutely. We're getting serious, uh, which is something serious. we have never done before. No. We're talking about serious problems. It'll be heavy, but... It'll be heavy. Well, it, we'll we're going to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It will hold you through it. Um, what that, do you want to listen to? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> You're really putting me on the spot. Um, That's what we do. I've been really enjoying the song. Uh, all right, look up The Gas Lamp Killer. Nissen. The song is great, and I love it. It's definitely a change in pace from the T-Swift, but uh, I think our listeners will enjoy it. And up next, we have discussion about education, schools, and why America is so messed up. You heard it first here. <laughs> you heard it last year, straight up. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. Thank you. 
Let me know. Let us know if you can hear us right now, uh, since obviously the system is terrible and doesn't work. Uh, Speaking of systems that are terrible and don't work. Uh, yo! The segue of the century. Yo, the segue. Oh, my God. What What is that terrible system that doesn't work that At we're about to talk about? The year we're about to talk about the education system in America. It is terrible and it doesn't work. And in the break, I was talking to Jonathan. I was like, we are the people who did what we were supposed to do in the education system. We are the people who it's designed for. Um, and I was thinking about like the moments that I kind of realized that fact. Like I, because I, just if you grow up in a household where education is something that's really important, you don't even think about 
the fact that you could just not do this stupid homework. Like it's not an option. You know what I mean? Like it's because it's, it's like, you're just grow up. Like you have to do well in school. It's how it is. Even if there's no explicit pressure, like you don't, they don't, there's no need for the pressure because it's just like a value that you have. Yeah. Um, the whole thing about, assume. That, yeah. The whole thing about um, like some of my friends, parents would bribe them. For, like if you get all A's, or all A's and B's, then like we'll buy you candy or something, you know. Right. I was like, well, I'm not that into candy because I was a weird kid, but also <laughs> just that concept was foreign to me. Of like, right. Yeah, of course I'm gonna like do everything my teacher tells me to, and I think you know both of us as kids of educators, as well, um, like in addition to. Uh, the system sort of being built for people like us having parents who teach is right it's just assumed right it's just assumed um and yet like i i think we're in the minority um Mm -hmm. of people who come from families of educators of people going to elite schools like we're in the minority this isn't just how it is and so over the next few weeks Jonathan and I are going to be uh, playing some interviews with people who work in education who study education um, and really we're going to be trying to focus on what are the inequalities in education how is the system broken because the fact is it is a broken system mm-hmm. um, look at the way the schools are funded you have schools are generally funded through um like tax levies and what that means is that the districts with the most money give the most money to the schools but the fact is the districts in the most money those are the best educated people and like us their kids are much more likely to actually care about school and do well in school and already have the resources to do well in school so it's like a double punch that schools in the poorest districts that need the most money are the most underfunded schools there are and attract the worst teachers. Um, so yeah, the school system's totally messed up and we're gonna be talking about some of the reasons for it and some of the uh, ways people have been trying to fix it and do better. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the whole thing of, yeah, hopefully we can provide some ideas or get to some ideas with our guests about either things they're doing on a small scale to see what works on a small scale and then also talking about how those might be distributed yep. to everyone. Um, I think what's another interesting question like is... I. I don't know. I know people at Yale who went to like relatively poorly funded public schools. Um, I mean, to be honest, like, um, like I went to a, essentially a, a small town public school. It wasn't like that fancy or anything. And I, I was just kind of thinking about like, even in college, like that can follow you. Like we know somebody, I'm not going to say who it is, but somebody who's, who's at Yale and, and has been struggling for like, a long time because 
largely, be, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it, but largely because I think like his high school education was like quite weak. Um, and so like, then that means he's struggling in college and maybe that means it's going to reflect poorly on him after college. Like these are lifelong effects. Um, even for people who do, so to speak, get out and do, so to speak, defy the odds and do what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, and it's hard even within that, um, going back through the system, the history of education for a single person, like the people who end up at poorly funded and poorly resourced high schools often are also coming from like not as strong of a background of early childhood education or um, elementary and middle school education. So it, it just works this way up. And like you said, it's lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't, um, before we move on from this topic, why don't you just mention a couple of things you, um, the topics that you covered in your interview uh, from this past week? Yeah. So I did an interview last week. Um, should we? Should we say who it is? Yeah, we can say. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, we got to tease it a, it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's not a surprise. We can tease it. <laughs> so yeah, last week I I had an interview with Sarah Fine. Um, she runs a teacher preparation school associated with the Graduate School of Education in San Diego. Um, it's at High Tech High. Um, Oh, wait, are you serious? Wait, hold on, 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 run that back. All right, high tech high. I know about high tech high. All right, let me tell you about this. All right, this is blowing my mind right now. I did not know that that's the school that she worked with. Yeah. All right, so my school, let me just, I'm just going to get right into this because this is crazy. This is crazy. So my high school, like 10 years ago, they brought on a whole new administration. They got rid of all the old people. And the new people had this agenda. All right, we're going to go, we're going to like change the way we're teaching. We're going to do project learning or whatever. And the school that they modeled us off of was high tech high. They were always talking about high tech high and all of the reforms they did freaking sucked and made our school hell. So I, I'm not, all right. <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about that revelation that that's the school she was working at that is very very interesting that's fascinating i think i mean maybe then you'll disagree with literally everything she had to say um I, all right to 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 clarify i don't necessarily think that high tech high sucks i think that those people who are trying to make our school into high tech high while also being completely incompetent administrators mm. sucked yeah and maybe this is something worth getting in before we air the actual interviews um, I was reading part of her book uh, as you know preparation just to, to see some background on uh, the kinds of things she thinks about and a very small section of the book talks about the pork chop uh, paradox I think is what it's called and essentially it's this idea that a pork chop cooked perfectly is like the peak right it's the <laughs> highest high the tallest ceiling um and it, debatable it but it's a great job right debatable but it, it's it's very good right um yeah and if it is even just a little bit undercooked 
or overcooked or just done, done the wrong way, it's absolutely disastrous and disgusting. Right. And that sort of applies to a lot of these progressive uh, teaching methods that are, if, if you do this exactly right, whatever that means, if it's working correctly for the students who are in it, then it can be incredible. But if maybe what happened in your school is that they took this good model and didn't quite cook it enough. Oh yeah, I, that it was definitely half baked. That's all I'm gonna say. It was definitely half baked. Um, <laughs> it was a disaster. If any listeners actually have any experiences of alternative education models of teachers doing things in non traditional way, and and whether it was effective or not effective or equally effective, um, I'd love. I think it'd be great if people. Uh, send in some of their own experiences as well that we could talk about here. Please let us um, know. Because yeah. we've been thinking a lot about this stuff. Yeah, yeah and it kind of goes into, well, looking back at our own educations, like what worked for us and uh, what are things we wish had been done differently, um, both right. content-wise and just you know teaching strategy-wise. Like... I've had some good project-based learning experiences and some that felt just like uh, the same content as a worksheet, but it right. just took longer. Right. But fronting is something else, basically. Yeah. Are there specific um, things that you right. wish you had learned in your... That I didn't? I know, compulsory education. I, all right. So I feel like this is a really tricky issue. And, and just thinking about it now, the stuff I said about project learning maybe would be different. Like I acknowledge the fact that I say that as like somebody who is like a good student and who is like a, from a privileged background and maybe somebody from a different background would have it would and did have a legitimately different experience with it. Um, but uh, my the things I wish that I had learned as somebody who's now in college are, are likewise perhaps like things that are, are definitely things that would be geared to like college um, preparation students for students. Like I kind of, I was telling my dad because he teaches a sociology class, like it would be, it would give your students such a step up um, if in high school you like you did well, obviously wouldn't have to read the whole book but did some like reading of like the major social scientists uh, or social theorists like max weber or whatever like even if you like kids were going into college with the kind of like these conceptual frameworks which i still don't have and i feel like it's i'm suffering from a disadvantage like i think at private schools or more high achieving schools like um, they do get into more stuff like that. Like, like a lot of kids in high school who go to like prep schools and stuff like they've read Plato when they get into college. And it's like in public schools, nobody, I bro, we haven't even read like Romeo and Juliet. Like it got assigned, but we ain't read it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not the same. It's really not the same. I don't know if I knew who Plato was 
you know, like actually, I've heard the name Plato, but right, I, I don't know if I've even read Plato now because I wasn't a DS Peter. <laughs> One of our listeners said we were not reading Marx at private school. LOL. See, but it's interesting you bring that up because I think there's a valid argument to be made that the content of what you learn in high school is not that important and what would be more useful is how to read things like that and actually understand the framework of what's going on in the material or how to sort of develop your your own analyses and frameworks of things. Um, right. So that when you get to college and your professors are like, okay, you really need to understand these, you know, these four authors' th thoughts, you have the skills to do that, even if you've never heard of the people. Yeah, I think ultimately that's true. And I guess, like, my, my desire to, to have done more theory in high school is, like, completely selfish and not really realistic. Um, and I think you're right that what matters is um knowing how to learn and how to think and i think the struggle with that is like that kids like us are gonna be fine no matter what they do and so how do you engage people who don't have the same assumptions about school that we do um and I think like, like it's from, if you come at it from that perspective, it makes some sense to pursue like alternate ways of teaching stuff. Cause like, if you just say, read this book, it doesn't even like, yo, I can speak from experience from going through public high school for Nobody four years. Read that book. No, but literally, even if it's like, all right, it could be one paragraph. And because it was assigned by the teacher, people aren't going to read it. Like, it's it's serious. Like, I, I really mean that. Like, people don't read. And so no matter what you assign, it doesn't make a difference. Um, and so, yeah, it makes sense to me that one way that people try to approach that is, all right, what? how can we teach this so that it does actually engage people? Um, and definitely assigning Max Weber would not help. It would make That's it worse. Yeah, I'm finding that a bit for myself this semester. Uh, while I'm not be being assigned a whole lot of things to do, it has been very helpful for my own personal motivation to have a project and sort of like an end goal um, to, to think about, work on, and build on. Um, you know what I mean? Like... Because I don't have a sign, right. that there has to be a way to, to get myself to go. And I think some of the, the extracurricular Yale groups that I'm in have done a good job of uh, delegating, you know, tasks um, within a project that various members of the group can be involved on, which is sort of how I've gotten into a lot of the audio editing stuff I've been doing. It's like, oh, well, we have right. this big choir project we want to do, for example. And, right. Could use some help editing the audio. Let's right. See if anybody wants to do that. I, I think that's true. I just feel like from my own experience, when the school is telling me to do the project, 
no matter it literally could be something that i've wanted to do for 10 years and i will be like screw this project this is <laughs> this is whack i hate this project you know what i mean because yeah. it's like somebody's making you do it right. um and so i wonder can is it possible for um some for students to feel like that like what you're just talking about like really like a, a sense of purpose and meaning and motivation while also having that come to and having the, the weight and the force and the authority of the school, even if it's abstracted behind that. Right. You I'm see what I'm saying? Definitely. And I'm interested to see what you or hear what your experience with this was. But one of the things I talked with Sarah Fine about um, one of the chapters in her book is it's called something along the lines of periphery as core. So the idea there is that things that we think of as the periphery within schools, namely extracurricular things, things like music groups and, and theater and all that, um, a lot of the arts, sports, um, those are actually in practice giving the sort of education that we actually need as young people a lot of like... Mm social interactions, team building, but also like you're talking about just that push to want to be a part of something to right like from yourself be motivated to actually participate. Like what what was your and experience wonder, in high school like with that? Well, all right. Okay. So yeah. I was just going to ask like if you think part of that is that when you're doing theater or when you're doing like while I was doing like planting Christmas trees and stuff um, for the, in high school, like I wonder if the reason that you enjoy that in a way that you don't enjoy school is that you're not being graded on it and there's no sense of like assessment. And so it's like, cause like to me, grades ruin school and I don't, but I don't see how to get rid of them because or I, maybe, I, maybe you do just get, maybe you do just get rid of them and, and find another way to assess people. But it, and it feels like almost any assessment, even if your assessment was a written comment from your teacher, that like once the rubber meets the road and colleges have to select students, uh, it doesn't really matter what the assessment method is. And the fact is like that pressure, even if it's diluted and abstracted and you don't get an A and said you get a written comment, like that he was very good in my class, it doesn't really matter what the, the method of, of evaluation is like the very fact you're being evaluated is what makes it different from theater or planning Christmas trees. Hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting is I think there are extracurricular activities where you are evaluated, right? For example, like all state auditions which oh. are like the bane of existence, but somehow people are still <laughs> motivated to practice for them. Wait, can you explain what that, because I, I think I know, but some of our listeners might not. Could you explain what that is? What right, you mean so by that? At least for music, Allstate is, in theory, a collection of the best, usually high school musicians from around the state that you live in. In Texas, people take it very, very seriously. And... The ensembles, yeah. so, so you audition um, depending on what instrument you play or like what sort of musical thing you do. There are different requirements, but typically they assign some sort of 
um, either etude or, or song, or you have a few things you can choose from, or and for the things I auditioned for, there was no choice. It was just like, these are the orchestra excerpts and these are the etudes that you will play. And you uh, go usually, bef well, at least usually for instrumentalists, you play in front of all of the people you're competing against. And I think this is a, a Texas thing. Um, so there's a, a panel of judges in the room who are behind a curtain with their backs turned to you. And then everybody else who's auditioning is also in the same room. And you go up one at a time and play for like 20 seconds. And you sit in there for like five hours. And oh my God. based on these auditions, the judges select people to move on to the next round. There are maybe three rounds. And then whoever is remaining at the end of that process gets to be placed into these um, ensembles who meet for a week in Texas. It's in San Antonio. Um, and they, the ensemble like learn a few pieces together, put on a concert after the week. And in Texas, they're, they usually sound incredible. Um, yeah but yeah now that you mentioned time. this my brother my bro my brother did this as well oh, nice. um but it was not as hardcore as what you're describing yeah, no texas is, uh texas different thing. absolutely has the reputation of like they do not play in like high school music stuff like right. they go really hard and the interesting thing is that a lot of i think it, it goes both ways that a lot of people who are incredible musicians don't do well in that setting at all i think largely because of audition pressure which is in this case maybe taking the place of grades um but there are also right. lots of people who are maybe not incredibly musicians but have worked so hard on this very small set of music that they can then be very successful in these auditions it's an interesting that's topic. so interesting and, and and i was just thinking oh my god we're, we're almost out of time we could talk about this all day, all day. but i was just thinking like on a more system level, like how um, like standardized tests have had a really like negative chilling effect in many ways on the school systems um, and have further like hurt teachers, hurt students, deepened inequalities in some ways. And we will be talking about that um, on our subsequent episodes about, about these issues. But I was just thinking maybe that these types of pressures around grading, it isn't just like students, it's like more broadly. And like you could think about that on even like a school wide basis. Like if the school has to meet these requirements, maybe that makes the teachers, the administrators and the students all hate what they're doing in a way that they don't need to. I don't know. Just that, a thought. That sounds like what... <laughs> my classmates and teachers expressed when I was in high school. Everybody hated it. Um, and it didn't feel useful at all. All of the standards and stuff. Yeah. I was praying for that to be like a short mic break, but we just spent the entire episode talking about it. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, so next week, uh, here's people that actually know what they're talking about, talk about the stuff that we just talked about. Uh, who aren't just making it up as they go. Uh, 